0: You are listening to The Concierge on Monocle Radio. Coming up on today's programme, we get some choice intelligence from one of the most influential concierges in the business. From Taipei to Lake Como, we put your questions to our concierge service and we head up the Sea to Sky Highway in Whistler, British Columbia.
1: Summer in the village is probably maybe busier than it is in the winter. The patios open up, lots of great food, lots of fun people watching, and a lot of bikers. So this is kind of the mecca for bikers in the whole world.
0: We sit down with the legendary
2: hotel designer Pierre-Yves Rochon. Our job, we should be so curious. It's really part, and you need to learn, you need to study. This is my way to work. That is all to come on The
0: Concierge in association with Allianz Partners. Welcome to The Concierge on Monocle Radio with me, Robert Bound. We're going to start our programme with a very grand name in our concierge world right now. We're thrilled to be able to speak to Luc Frieseisen, who is no less than the president of the Clé d'Or Suisse, the semi-secret society of superfixers. And in his day job, Luc is also the senior concierge at the Dolder Grand Hotel in Zurich. I'd love to get a little bit of a window into your journey to this job as the president of Les Clefs d'Or Swiss. How long have you been concierging for?
3: So in total, it's yeah more or less ten years. Where I'm working as a as a concierge by now. Before I started my career in hotel business at the front desk, and then I moved on to the more interesting part by becoming a concierge where the. Duties are, are yeah more varied. You you have rarely did the same requests every day, so it's it's quite interesting and and more lively than front desk work.
0: Yes, yeah, so I suppose part and parcel of concierging is having that little black book that we mention often on this program, and kind of knowing what's going on in the town, knowing the rhythm of the town, and kind of having a sixth sense about what your guests want at a place like the Dolder, Grand and and indeed amongst your conversations with the other members of Le Clé d'Or, do you always kind of have a sixth sense for what people want or do guests come to you with a kind of with a big open wish list?
3: You do have both. So you have guests who who really know what they would like to go and where they want to go, which restaurant they want to go for. And uh, you do have the other ones which come to your desk, which are let's say, not really prepared, and uh, they just say, okay, what can I do in, in Zurich or what can I do in, in Switzerland? We do start and, and yeah, some more question and answer where we find out what do they like, do they want to go for mountain excursions, do they want to stay in the city and enjoy some, some museums. So that's really, yeah, you have to get to know one each other, and then um, we usually find the right stuff for the guests and what they would like to do.
0: Let's delve into the world of the organisation, the Clé d'Or Swiss, the Golden Keys of Switzerland, which you preciously guard, I'm sure, Luke. How often do you meet? Is it an informal kind of meeting structure or do you have really set meeting times and, and a set agenda for the discussions that you concierges have?
3: So, this somehow depends. We have the local chapters all over in, in Switzerland. So, we have six of them spread it around, and there they meet in the local sections, as we do here in, in Zurich, for the local meetings with one to two invitations or events per month. Then, we do have a monthly board call where the Swiss board has an online call one month in a month. And then we do have our national AGM or Congress taking place once a year. Now the next one will be in, in September in uh, start And then we also have on the international level one international meeting per year. So the last one we had it in, in Istanbul in March. And there you can really meet yeah friends from all over the world. So partly yeah, I do have... Yeah, concierge colleagues, which I meet once a year at the International Congress. And this is, yeah, since five, six years where you meet them each and every time.
0: And I just wanted to get just an idea of Swiss hospitality, which is obviously super famous, kind of across the world. And the more that what you might call the grand hotels, the classic hotel structure, you mentioned front desk, the concierge desk, the sort of the, the sort of architecture of the hotel and the way that, that it's set out bears out a set of standards in a way. And I wondered if you see if you see the concierge job as changing at all and whether you see sort of the idea of service changing or whether parts of Switzerland or maybe Switzerland as a whole is a sort of bastion of quite classical values in terms of service.
3: It really depends from hotel to hotel. So you have hotels where concierge and and front desk are still split. So it's completely independent departments. And you do have hotels where where it's uh, somehow changing and they work close to each other. I think nowadays you do need to exchange with the front desk. It's not like back in time where front desk did not know at all what, what's going on at the concierge. We have nothing to hide and uh, everybody can come in, they can have a look, they they are welcome to get into our world. So that's really, it depends on, on the hotel, how the, the structure is. And so it's hard to say, okay, it is like this or like this. But I think in, in Switzerland, we are still in the lucky position of the five-star hotelry with having a lot of, of concierges in our destinations so i think it's different than in other countries or or cities where it's less and less but here in switzerland we we keep up with concierge service
0: luke friseisen thank you very much indeed in a jiffy it'll be time to open the hatch on our very own concierge service see you in a sec And here we are, ready to open our little black book, the part of the programme where we look to our correspondents all around the globe to answer your questions. The concierge desk is open for business. And first up from Hong Kong, we have Angela Barige.
4: Hello, Monday Cruel concierge. We are planning a little birthday long weekend in Taipei, end of April. Wondering if you might have some hidden little gems. Have looked back at Monocle's articles and sadly, thanks to coronavirus, a number of the great little businesses in Taipei have closed down. We'd very much like to support small businesses while we are in Taipei. Thanks again for your wonderful program. Angela and John in Hong
1: Kong.
0: Thanks for that, Angela. And with the response, we have the perfectly placed Taipei-based Monocle contributor, Clarissa Wei.
4: Hey, Angela and John. So for a weekend trip to Taipei, I suggest starting the trip off at Da Daochen, which is the oldest neighborhood in Taipei. It's just a really lovely place to stroll around and take in the faux Baroque architecture, which dates back to when Taiwan was a Japanese colony in the early 20th century. Lately, the neighborhood has been undergoing a bit of a revival, and there's an infusion of new creative energy. For souvenirs, try a place called Art Yard, which has shelves full of homemade ceramics. The street is filled with local tea shops and dried goods stores. Just walk up and down Dihua Street for the best experience. For lunch, you can head over east to Emanuel Fish Soup. It's a third-generation eatery that serves whole chunks of tilapia and broth. They've been around for about half a century, though the menu has stayed exactly the same. In terms of museums, the National Palace Museum is, of course, a must see if you haven't gone there already. But for something a bit off the beaten path, the National 228 Memorial Museum is a great place to get yourself acquainted with Taiwanese history. It's filled with detailed exhibitions that feature the sombering history of Taiwan's long and bloody road to democracy, and all about the famous civilian uprising that triggered four decades of martial law. And then for dinner, while of course there is no shortage of great food in Taipei, but for something a bit new, give Monsoon a whirl. It's a vegan-driven ode to the food of the Hakka people, a minority group whose cuisine features a lot of pickling and curing. The ingredients are all sourced locally, every course is tastefully designed, and the staff really makes a lot of effort to explain each dish in detail. Reservations are required, so plan ahead. Next,
0: from New Brunswick, Canada, we have Cathy Bork with this.
4: My husband and I are travelling to Milan in October. Since we have been there before and have visited the Duomo and the La Scala Opera House, we are looking for something different to do. Perhaps you know of a good Italian cooking class or some other interesting spots to visit in and around the city. From there, we plan to drive north to the lakes in Switzerland and to the Lago di Como and would prefer to stay in smaller villages, using them as a base from which to explore the area. Which pretty towns would you recommend, and where might we stay?
0: Thank you very much, Cathy. And with the answers is Monocle's Milan correspondent Ivan Carvalho.
5: For an escape to Italy's most famous lake, I'd suggest taking the car and heading to downtown Como and starting things off with some proper retail therapy at AGM in Via Vittorio Manuele. AGM is a clothing store for men and women that carries niche Italian and foreign labels. Its owner, Alberto Monti, has a great eye, and current finds include Camo, a smart menswear producer from Biella. Given Coma's long history with silk production, be sure to drop in at the factory store of Mantero, a fourth-generation family firm that turns print patterns on silk into exquisite scarves and garments. Next, head up the west shore to the charming town of Cernopio and get coffee at Poletti, a classic pasticceria that does great berry tarts. Don't forget to have a peek at the impressive grounds of the Grand Hotel Villa de Sit lakeside for a lazy lunch, and then stroll the gardens. For people watching, head to Bellagio and Bar San Remo, with its terrace hanging over the water next to where the ferries stop. For brunch, I recommend Locanda La Tirlandana, a lively family-run establishment where you can dip your feet in the water after your meal. For dinner, head up the mountain to Alvelu, set above the lake on the western shore opposite Bellagio. Here you can try the lake sardines, either grilled or pan-fried. For a spot of culture, you can't miss Villa Babinello, a stunning lakeside property that has provided dramatic backdrops for films in the Star Wars and James Bond franchises. After a stroll, grab a cocktail at the tea bar at the Grand Hotel Tremezzo, and then unpack your bags at Pasalacqua, a gorgeous 24-room villa in the enclave of Motrazio that is a treasure and will have you dreaming of buying lakeside property. In the near future.
0: Thank you very much, Ivan. And if you have a question for the concierge, do please write to us. Send your questions to concierge at monocle.com. And my thanks to Clarissa Way and Ivan Carvalho there. Up next, we're off to Whistler.
6: Just like the Monocle team, Allianz Partners is committed to helping you build exceptional experiences.
0: Allianz Partners' reputation for excellence and the continuous drive to innovate means the business is uniquely equipped to accompany its partners and customers with their ever-changing travel needs. So get out there
6: and visit the places, enjoy the experiences and meet the people changing the world of hospitality for the better. Allianz Partners, get the
0: most out of your experience with peace of mind. Now, we call this part of the show The Lowdown, in which we shine a spotlight on a must-visit destination. Whistler, British Columbia, famously hosted the 2010 Winter Olympics, but this Canadian alpine-ish resort town actually sees more visitors come summertime. Monocle's Gregory Scruggs headed up the Sea-to-Sky Highway to see what's on tap when the snow melts.
7: I've taken ski holidays to Whistler for over 20 years, but I admit that the siren song of the snow has kept me from exploring beyond the pistes. And it turns out, summer offers healthy doses of adventure, culture, and relaxation. Journeys to Whistler typically begin in Vancouver, and whether you hire a car or take a shuttle, keep your eyes peeled as you make your way from sea level to the mountains along the scenic Sea to Sky Highway. On your left, feast your eyes on the waters of Howe Sound, a UNESCO biosphere reserve dotted with islands, while to your right, lush old-growth forests run up steep mountainsides. About halfway there you'll leave the salt water behind and head inland until you reach Whistler Village. You can park the car without a worry and need not stress about calling a taxi. Whistler Village is built around a pedestrian-friendly corridor, the Village Stroll packed with shops, cafes, bars, restaurants, and nightclubs. There are multiple five-star hotels to choose from, all within walking distance. While Whistler sits at a modest 675 meters in elevation, so there's no need to worry about altitude sickness, the resort's namesake mountain climbs up to a height of over 2,000 meters. From the village, gondolas whisk you into the high country where you can set off on any number of alpine tracks. For the ultimate scenic ride, take the peak-to-peak gondola between Whistler and Blackcomb Mountains. The 11-minute journey crosses the world's longest unsupported span, so for over 3 kilometers you'll be suspended mid-air, and provides panoramic views into the heart of the glaciated coast range. Both ends of the gondola feature well-appointed day lodges with sun decks and restaurants, should you fancy a glass of Okanagan Valley Riesling with a view. Back down in the village, I met up with Whistler resident and four-time Olympian, Mercedes Nickel, for the scoop on how to spend those long summer days.
1: Planning your summer holiday for Whistler, why would you do that? Mostly because we have gorgeous views, mountains, lakes. We have the options of if you want to just stay in the valley and do summer sports, or you can go up on our gondolas and head up the mountain and do like a 13 kilometer gondola ride and see how beautiful all of our mountain tops are. But also, if you're going to just be in the village, we have canoeing, paddleboarding swimming but be mindful that our lakes are glacier lakes so they're a lot colder than you're used to which kind of when I got here full-time in the summers was a little shock to the system but it's really refreshing on a very warm day and when I think about summer here it's very different from the east coast of Canada because it's not humid it's a good temperature usually so a really great place to be in the summer. We have a lot of forest around us, a lot of trees, a lot of greenery. We can hear the birds chirping around us. You're probably bound to see a black bear if you are walking along any of our golf courses here in Whistler, which we have three of. So that's always kind of exciting for some people to see a bear if they've never seen one before. But again, reminder that they are wild animals and don't get too close because (laughs) you never know what they're going to do.
7: And what's the vibe like in Whistler Village in the summer? Is it is for folks who are used to a, a bustling après ski scene in the winter season? What's the drinking, dining, hanging out, people watching scene like in the summertime around here?
1: Yeah, so summer in the village is probably maybe busier than it is in the winter. The patios open up, lots of great food, lots of fun people watching, and a lot of bikers. So this is kind of the Mecca for bikers in the whole world. We have one of the best bike parks. So what that means is bikers will line up just like you do for a chairlift and put their bikes on the chairlift, go up the mountain and then bike down and do it all over again.
7: While the mountain bike culture runs deep in Whistler, for culture of a different stripe, make your way to the O'Dane Art Museum. Vancouver property tycoon, Michael O'Dane and his partner Yoshiko Karasawa founded the museum in 2016 to house their extensive art holdings. A stroll through the permanent collection will give you keen insights into the mixture of indigenous, Western, and Pacific Rim cultures that define British Columbia. Museum director and chief curator Curtis Collins told me why O'Dayne chose Whistler.
6: When he was thinking about creating a museum that was dedicated to the art of BC in terms of the permanent collection, he toured a number of communities throughout British Columbia, however landed on Whistler because Whistler is an international resort. in the fact that we see skiers and summer visitors from around the world has beautiful hotels, wonderful restaurants, and all the amenities of, uh, I would say, a, a wonderful resort experience. So the museum was a natural fit.
7: Why should a a visitor to Whistler in the summertime who might be drawn to trails and lakes and uh, all of the outdoor amenities, why should they also carve out some time to come indoors to the Audain Art Museum?
6: In British Columbia, the environment and outdoor activities play a very important role in our cultural identity and how people from beyond BC experience us. But coming indoors to see how those things are represented in photographs, paintings, and carvings, I think will give you a thicker experience of British Columbia, and you can come to terms with the cultural realities of such a fantastic province.
2: So, welcome at the
4: Scandinavian Spa. In the spa, I recommend a thermal journey. So you start with something hot for 10-15 minutes to relax your muscles, increase the blood flow. In the middle of the spa we have the wood burning sauna at the bottom the uh, electric one then we have two steam rooms and two hot pools.
7: Whether you've pushed it a little too hard climbing mountains or throwing down at the disco the Scandinavian spa is just the ticket for a morning of rest and relaxation. The hot pools, sauna, steam room of course the cold plunge, are all surrounded by lovely evergreen trees. You're basically at a spa in a forest and yet perched at the upper edge of the property on a sun deck with hammocks and shade structures. You can also enjoy panoramic views of the Coast Mountain Range as you relax and prepare for your next day's adventure.
0: My thanks to Gregory Scruggs there in Whistler, British Columbia. Next up, it is our travel interrogator. Pierre-Yves Rochon is a name that's become a trademark for masterfully executed projects in the hospitality industry, in restaurant design and in luxury residences. His hotel projects include the Four Seasons Georges V in Paris, the Peninsula Shanghai and Venice's Danielli, to name but a few. For over 40 years Pierre-Yves has tackled numerous projects working closely with a team of some 65 associates under the umbrella of PYR and today he's in London to celebrate his latest project, the renovation of the city's storied Dorchester Hotel. And he joins me now here in Midori House. Pierre Yves, uh, thank you very much for your time today. It's lovely to welcome you to the Concierge. There are a million things I want to ask you. Our time is tight, so I'm going to start with the reason that you're in London at the moment, and that is to celebrate the refreshing of the Dorchester Hotel, one of the most storied properties in London. How much of a problem and how much of a solution, I wonder, did you have to work with
2: the Dorchester? The, the first thing when I w- worked for the Dorchester, of course, I was proud to be choose to, on the competition to mm. do this hotel, this iconic hotel. I really think the Dorchester in London is uh, a special historic. You know, uh, the building is from the 30s and 50s. One of the, I think, of the best designers from uh, UK at this period, it was Oliver Messer, and Oliver Messer did a beautiful job. My first idea was to to be humble, to keep the DNA of the Dorchester, because when you do a renovation of the building, of the hotel, you should be careful. Mm -hmm. You can destroy (laughs) the life or you can improve the life of the hotel. <laughs> you mentioned the hotel, which was designed in the
0: 30s and 50s. So it has a certain amount of history, but wears its kind of history quite lightly. What about working on a property such as the Daniele in Venice? I'm lucky enough to have stayed in there. What a beautiful place. Yes. That's, a, that's a different kettle
2: of fish. isn't It's yes. a difficult proposition. I do remember the first time I came to the Daniele, a long time ago, not the, the, what, because now it's coming for four seasons, it will be the opera, the I came to the to the, the lobby, the music was the American music, <laughs> and on the menu have the hamburger. Yeah. This is not... Where am I? Where I am I? Yeah. Where am I? It should be Italian opera, classic music, it should be pastas, spaghetti, you know, that is a part of the, the, the life, and... And our duty is to design that, to bring back all of this. I wanted to ask
0: you, you've worked all over the world, obviously a lot in Europe uh, and in the United States, and indeed in the Middle East and Africa. What is the part of the world where you can flex your creative muscles and sort of drive at top speed creatively, I wonder, these days?
2: I, I I don't want to be reduced... You're going I'm not, to... I'm not asking you to kill what, what, any darling. When I say that, <laughs> it depends, you know, it depends on the human being. Mm. I think uh, the creativity is everywhere. America, for example. Americans they are always in advance. Everything is possible. What I think like that. Mm-hmm. I'm coming to London. I said, I love London, of course. In this project, I can be crazy because the owner... And also he want me to, uh, the, the Dorchester also, we want to be a British flavor, but classical. So immediately I'm going inside. After that I'm going to Florence. In Florence I'm doing the four season of Palazzo in the 15th century. It was a family, the very old family. And the owner told me, you should be not American, you should not be French, British. You should be not from Rome, not from Venice, but from Florence. So this is why the answer of your question, everywhere. The art, is, it's, it's very interesting, the art, because I have a pen. And is this is your main design tool? It's my main. And I can, yeah. if I don't speak Japanese, I look, work in Japan. If you see the path of Japan also. So this is why I said, I don't want to be reduced on the question what right my favorite, everywhere. Everywhere and, can and, be and, a blank canvas we, for you. And of. the artist, all the people, it's the same on the music. A musician can play music everywhere in the world. Maybe the politicians should think about this. Yeah,
0: that looks like a nice pen. Will you share with our listeners the. Uh, yeah. the, the, the <laughs> that looks like a heavy piece of creative uh, material, the yes, other one. Yes,
2: yes. That is, is our language. Yeah. And that language is universal language. It, it, that is true. You will see. Think about this and i like that i like that
0: i like that anywhere in the world can be as free and easy or as sort of tight-lipped and tough yeah. depending upon your i suppose your client as well how do you research a project do you have to if you're working in florence in a 15th century building do you have to do you go to the Uffizi to look at the paintings? Do you yes. do you research Florentine cardinals yes. and their strange I'm tastes? Always, <laughs>
2: yes, it's always like this. Yeah. always do the the research. That's true because and this is what is interesting and it's challenging me, or my team, because I said, you know, when the owner told you, you should be from France. Mm-hmm. What means from France? But no, close your eyes. You have been to Venice, Rome, or Florence. Is it right. The people in Roma is not the same as the people who live in Florence, and the architecture in Florence is not the same. So I can explain that maybe it's not today, but the finishing, everything. You know. So yes, we do a research, a lot of research for us. Our job. We should be so curious. It's really part, and you need to learn, you need to study. This is my way to work.
0: Yeah. Anyway. And your design firm, obviously, has dozens and dozens of people, some 70-odd people working for you and working with you, Pierre-Yves. Yeah. But your own personal creative universe, your desk, your atelier, your study, yes. what's in that? I have a feeling that you are a stealer of ashtrays from around the world and matchboxes <laughs> and little things because your designs seem to revel in little subtle details uh, as I much hope, as great washes I, of colour.
2: I hope I understand the question. But hmm. uh, on yes, we are in Paris. We have mostly 50 people mm-hmm. and, uh, on the office. Of course, I have my office... Uh, by the way, with the beautiful view and Paris, but next to my office, I have a library where I have a table where I design myself. The view I have is Eiffel Tower. So just, <laughs> it's true. Remember, you're not in Bordeaux. You're not in Rheims. No. You're in Paris. <laughs> uh, yes, no, it's true. But, uh, so I have always a box with all my pen. I have a tracing paper. This tracing paper is coming from state because quality is better. And I draw every every day on my on my life. I draw everywhere. I'm living also in Brittany. Brittany, as you know, is between UK and France. For a long time, the Queen of Brittany was sometimes with the British against the French. <laughs> By the way. One time, she's married the king of France, and we lost. Anyway,
0: so, <laughs> so then we call it we call so, it neither Arthur nor uh, Martha. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: By the way, we draw, I draw, and I like to, to share that with the people. So, what is the subject? Uh, and we is the part of the the, the preliminary mm-hmm. part of the job. First dream, listen, dream, and after that, draw. That's the sequences to do the, when we do a project.
0: Pierre-Yves Rochon, thank you very much indeed. And that is it for today's programme. Thanks to our guests, Luke Frieseisen and Pierre-Yves Rochon. Our producer was Tom Webb and our researcher Monica Lillis, while our studio manager was Callum McLean. If you have a question for the concierge, do please drop us an email on concierge at monocle.com. Join us next time when we'll be taking a motorbike trip across the island of Timor. I've been Robert Bounds. Thank you very much for tuning in and happy travels.
6: Oh, you.